everybody. Welcome to the Socially Distanced Podcast. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am going to be your co-host. I am the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. And I am joined by my co-host, the reluctant managing editor of the site, Mr. Al Manorino. How you doing, bud? I'm good, Bill. How are you? And we have a very special guest this episode. He is a long-running senior writer for us. Probably been here about seven years, I want to say. One of, no offense to anyone on the site, one of my favorite writers on the site. Um, and this is the first time he's ever been on a Pop Break podcast, which is insane. Uh, coming from us from his, uh, 316 Gimmick Street in uh, somewhere in central New Jersey, Anthony Toto, what's going on, buddy? Hey, now, what's going on? Al and Bill, it is an honor, the utmost honor to be on Socially Distance. If I could quarantine with anyone through a podcast, it would be you guys. And what what an intro. I just I feel honored. And, you know, the fact good things come to those who wait, right? Like, the moment has arrived. Yeah, the world is on fire. It just felt like the right time to join you both and talk music, life, and pop culture. Yes, yeah. and it was great that Anthony is, like, when I first met him, years ago you had that very mid-aughts like kind of um dragon ball z blowout (laughs) and now you have these luscious locks like that are just like flowing like a warrior on the plains of valhalla god you have changed man but the heart's still there man (laughs) the heart has always been there yeah back then some would say i resembled more so of a a guido Uh, i was being nice and did not say that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, I am full Italian, uh, nonetheless. Yeah, you know, I always kind of threw people off. They would assume that I was into like house music, which I like. Don't get me wrong, but I would meet plenty of people who thought like, "All right, like he's a Jersey Shore type of guy." And I would have to like, especially when I lived in Orlando, like guys. Seriously, I listen to like rock and metal. I play guitar. Like some of my favorite bands are like Metallica. They're like, "No way!" Like, don't you go to like Seaside? I'm like, "Well." Yes, I no. mean we all do. <laughs> <laughs> we do go to Seaside. We're Point Pleasant, but like, yeah, man, born rocker, lifelong rocker. And just, what was the last time I saw you? Was that at uh, Was that at uh, New Japan at Madison Square Garden? That the last time I saw you. No, nah, I saw you. Was that the last time? Did you come to the Did Pop Break Christmas we show? Got... No, I, well, I was sick. Always, uh, no, every like, pop break Christmas show, you yeah. were sick. You, when you're there or Christmas. not, you're just like, nope, I'm sick, guys. Can't drink. I mean, I saw my wild drink for you. Yeah, exactly. I would say that might have been the last time we saw each other. That was a great Madison show. Square Garden. Madison yeah, Square Garden. Not a, bad. Uh, a year ago was WrestleMania weekend. When WrestleMania was here in the New York, New Jersey area, and uh, Anthony were, and I were at uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. The first non WWE event in Madison Square Garden uh, uh, in 60 years. So we were there. We were very high up. I paid a lot of money for the same stuff I'm drinking for much cheaper right now. I paid $27 for a Jameson and Diet uh, double. So give me that. And uh, yeah, so that was a good time. I lost my voice within the first five minutes of the show. Because that's how I roll, and Al is sitting there, just like, 
This is going to turn into a whole wrestling podcast. New, New Japan. I don't, I don't know what this is. Well, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Context clues, college graduate. It's a Japanese wrestling promotion. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. That makes sense. So, uh, well, I was going to say, I'm super excited to have Anthony on. He's one of my favorite humans on the planet. The oh, most absolutely. positive uh, and just overall like like definition of like a good dude, Anthony Toto. Best dude. I remember the we best. were at we were at the NXT in Tom's River. We were at the, that random diner in Tom's River till like two in the morning, just talking <laughs> about life. Neither one of us had been drinking. It was just like it was just omelets. It was like all protein, <laughs> lots of coffee and tea, and just talking life. It was it was a great time. My wife yeah, texts me. She's like, "Are you home. alive?" And I'm like, "Yes, I'm fine." Yo, seriously, I'm in the greatest of company. For anyone who I haven't met a decent amount of people who write for the site, I've known Bill since fall of 2013. Yeah. Bill really pro- helped propel me as a writer. Long story short, for those absolutely, who are unfamiliar, false. I just give you a platform. <laughs> Nick Pacaro uh, designed one of the early incarnations of the website. He designed I, the second version of the website. Yes, he did. He did a great job. Shout out to our boy, Nick Pacaro. If you need a graphic designer during this time of quarantine, uh, go over to nickpercaro.com. I'm sure he That's it. I'm sure he has plenty of time on his hands. He, he's going to hear this and be like, son of a bitch, no, I don't. I'm working from home. Um, the ultimate good brother. And also, we're going to send him a, an invoice for the uh, for the free advertisement. I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm still paying off, I'm still paying off the my... uh, 2013 redesign, so no, we're not. <laughs> All right. Maybe not. Go but nonetheless, yeah, so like Nick designed the website at the time. I was, you know, looking for a website to kind of increase the volume of like just my writing output. I wanted to interview bands, review albums, cover concerts. Nick told me like you should reach out to Bill Botkin and check out the com. at the time. I wrote for my school newspaper. I interned for a website that is now defunct, the New Jersey Newsroom website. Um, oh, God. Anyway, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah I, I wrote that. for them. So I built up some clips. I had done some interviews prior to the pop break, but nonetheless, nonetheless, I went over to the pop break and Anthony is still, so still Anthony, kind of yeah. So Anthony's done I'm an some Italian crazy. I talk in my hands, so I, I have to like make sure I don't you know like smack my computer. Oh, don't worry. Whatever. Don't worry. <laughs> two two yeah, two episodes ago, I was like, God, can you stop breathing so loud? Jesus! I um, actually just told, I actually just told you just stop breathing. You're like, please, yeah, stop breathing. yeah. Dude, but uh, Anthony's done some great interviews on on the site. Our most recent his most recent piece just went up uh, about William Duvall, who's the new lead singer of Alice in Chains from his show in October. Just kind of a nice retrospective piece on that show, tying it back into music today. God, you've interviewed some sons of bitches, haven't you? You've interviewed uh, what? I don't remember who from Megadeth, but someone from Megadeth. Someone yeah, I could break it down like this. Like Slayer, on. Yeah, Slayer, Anthrax. Alter Bridge 7,000 times. Multiple, yeah, multiple times. And who from Alter Bridge? Corn. did you Yeah, interview? Monkey from Corn. You know, a long time, you know, rhythm guitarist. You know, if I harken back like a little bit, I mean, right away, you entrusted me with like a responsibility to like do these interviews in the first place, right? So like I had some experience, but I was able to build up that experience by writing for the pop break. And my second interview for the site was Alter Bridge, Miles Kennedy. He has sang for Slash as well. And 
at one time, I mean, he almost like collaborated with the guys in Led Zeppelin. Yeah, so oh, that a, was such a shame. Of, he never did that. That was yeah, awesome. That was more so on Led Zeppelin's. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, I don't want. I don't want to say it was their fault. It just it didn't happen. It was there uh, picadillos that caused it not to uh, happen? Let's get into the show because Al's yeah. like Led Zeppelin. What? Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, but nonetheless, if I sum it up, they'll help me really develop my style. It was always like the encouragement was limitless. And I mean, we're talking like seven years now. I've been writing for the site. And with Al, what an incredible compliment you provided me with. And, uh, you know, again, I'm in the best of company right now. All those same compliments that have been said about me apply to these two gentlemen who host. This is why we had, distance. see, Al and I had a rough week. That's why we got Toto on the podcast yeah. to just build need, us right need, back up. That's right. He's be uplifted. Absolutely. So let's bring it crashing right back down. Uh, so the, uh, let's go into our opening segment, which is always usually our longest segment for good reason. It's called seriously. What the fuck? What the actual fuck? Or seriously. What the fuck this week is. I don't, I'm not even going to cite the, um, news outlet it's coming from. I sent it to you guys, but because every news outlet pretty much has reported on this, that there are, um, medical professionals and very smart individuals we're saying we might not get concerts or live events until fall of 2021. Of course, this is based on um, obviously COVID-19 and um, the readiness of the vaccine. Um, we're going to talk about this. And of course, this is also as that was broken um, as of Al, correct me if I'm wrong, Friday, uh, San Diego Comic-Con. The first time in what fifty years of its existence yep. ha- is not going to happen this year. Mm-hmm. We've seen multiple festivals uh, canceled this year. I don't know if I've heard the official Bonnaroo cancellation yet. I'm sure it has, but um, or will be. But we know Boston Calling, which had Rage Against the Machine on it, that's canceled. We know that GovBall, that's canceled. That's out of New York City. Tons of stuff out of Sled Island was canceled out on the West Coast. Um, you know, this puts in stuff where we're looking late into the fall with New York Comic Con, See Here Now Music Festival with Pearl Jam in Asbury Park. Um, we've seen what happened with WrestleMania. We've seen rescheduled dates for a lot of tours. Uh, a lot of publicists coming out right now saying, hey, stop announcing tours. Uh, Anthony, I'm going to start with you. You're our esteemed guest. First, give me your thoughts. I could assume I know what they are about the fact of fall 2021 being a possibility of us never not having live events until, and, um, what do you, and just your overall, yeah, just give us your overall thoughts on this. Seriously. What the fuck type of, uh, messaging that's happened this week. Yeah. I have to mention that my main job was to market concerts and, I've worked on hundreds of concerts over the past two years and for the time being, they're all canceled. Right. So mm-hmm. going off like the festivals and San Diego comic-con, am I surprised I'm not, I've been on top of everything happening with the coronavirus going back to like mid February. I've been in contact with friends of mine who work in the medical industry. I've always like sought out advice. Um, just long story short, a friend of mine who was scheduled to go on tour with a top tier artist. I can't say who, but he was going to be the merchandise manager. This was a national tour. 
would hit like 25 different markets and we're talking like all the notable basketball arenas around the country. You think about it, this tour crew was between like 100 to 150 people. Now, if you're traveling from city to city and you're performing within like three to four markets each week, well, what if you're coming from a city where the virus hasn't necessarily decreased in volume yet and you're now you're going from Atlanta to Philadelphia, maybe the virus has gone down in Philadelphia, but the, you know, the volume in Atlanta is still high. Now, are you risking with that volume of crew members? Are, are you potentially now going to cause a, an additional outbreak in that city if you're packing the arena with 20,000 people? So I'm not shocked. I think it's the safest thing to do is to keep people from these massive gatherings. And I live for live music, right? Like concerts are the ultimate way to experience music. My job, like I said, was to market concerts for a long time. But so they develop a vaccine. I think any wide scale national destination event, any mid to upper tier concert have to be canceled for the time being. I could potentially see small shows happening, you know, between like 50 to 100 people sometime in the next like year or so. But yeah, I think you have to like kind of trust in science and trust in like the medical research and follow those public guidelines until, you know, the situation calms itself. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's obviously pretty devastating personally as a, as a photographer of events and uh, as, as a fan, as someone who goes to, you know, uh, uh, a, a, a exorbitant nope i can't say that word let's try that again exorbitant uh, thank you uh it's the rosé i'm just gonna keep drinking a different wine each week and see how drunk i get by the end of it um no but you know for someone who goes to a ton of concerts a year for someone who goes to the two of the biggest comic cons uh, every year, like it's it's devastating personally. But you know, Toto is bringing up a great point. I mean, the the amount of people that are involved in these things, the amount of jobs that are lost from it is, you know, I, I didn't even think about that, and that's just selfishly not thinking about that at all. Um, you know, twenty twenty one. This you know an, another <laughs> another half a year. Actually, no, it's gonna be a, almost a full year. It's full year. Gonna be, it's gonna be a year and a half. Year and a half. By the time we get to another concert, uh, the the idea of that is is pretty sad because the first thing that we're going to want to do when all this is all over is like have a mass gathering, even though it's it's something that you know we're not supposed to do or even think of right now. But like you know, but when there is hopefully eventually a vaccine or or you know or, or something that ends this. Uh, we're going to want to get together and the, you know, music is one of those things that brings us together. And then from the other side of that, you know, comic cons aren't just about, you know, going to a four day convention and buying shit. It's cosplay, it's panels, it's meeting your favorite writers and uh, artists and all that stuff. It's another big, big gathering for people. And we're not even talking about like, you know, the conference aspect of it where people are, you know, trying to learn from other people in their industries, like where, you know, my day-to-day job is. So it's, it's crazy to think about that. We're not going to have these things, uh, the rest of this year. Yeah. And Anthony and Al and I were talking before we went on air, uh, there, we're, our site is 
spiritually based in Asbury Park. And of course, there was a, a local concert venue, The Saint, uh, just announced today that they want to sell because uh, they're not making any money and they have to pay rent and they have to pay bills and stuff. And it's a sad reality that we're going to see a lot of, we, and I hope we don't, but I feel like we will. We'll be seeing a lot of venues closing down. And now they might reopen when everything clears up, you know, when it, when and if it clears up, you know, but what concerts and the, you know, Anthony, you were mentioning small concerts. I feel like that's even worse because you're in such, you're even closer, uh, confines, like in a, an arena, maybe you could space out every six feet or something like that and sell tickets. But, you know, a place like a Saint, you know, which is what, a 150 person venue, man, you can't do that. No way. And, and we work with a lot of people. We work with people in Asbury, you know, all the venues there and Starlight. And did we've shot all over the Northeast. And how can you have concerts right now? You know, Anthony and I were supposed to be at a wrestling event on March 25th. You know, that was supposed to be at Prudential Center, 10,000 people. And I remember I was debating stupidly. I was like, well, should I even go? Should I like bow out? And I did. I was like, I'm not going to go. Of course, that event got canceled. But it's like, you have to think about it. The ramifications is just economically is just crazy because it's like you're looking at all the people who work at these venues from administration down to the vendors. And you're looking at all the people who are working at places like Live Nation and AEG and uh, Bowery and um, Golden Voice who are, who are doing promotion work who have nothing to promote right now. And bands, let's face it. That's where the tour money is. The tour money is lifeblood. You know, it's not in record sales anymore. It's not any, it's in merch and live events. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's just a crazy time we're living in. And it's like a year and a half. Imagine, you know, trust me, Anthony and I and Al can all, we can all attest to being laid off a number of times in our life. Um, And just imagine that for a year and a half. Yeah. Where are you making your money? A lot of artists right now are, you know, what they're doing with their free time, if, unless they're working on new music, they are doing like at-home concerts for charity to try to help out with what's going on. So they're not, you know, they're not doing like this Patreon like- stuff for themselves, really. You know, you seem like, you know, we've mentioned a couple episodes ago, Ben Gibber from Death Cat for Cutie. Right now, right now, together at home, uh, Global Citizen is doing this gigantic, like, all-day event with artists from all over the, the world who are trying to help with, uh, with everything that's going on with, uh, I think they're the money's going towards, uh, the world health organization and that money is not going to them. They're not getting the, the tour merch. They're not getting the, 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 the sale, uh, the sales from, uh, you know, concert tickets or pre-orders or any of that kind of stuff. So yeah, and it, and it's, uh, just, it's rough. Yeah. And, and we, we, I think we sometimes demonize the bigger companies like Live Nation or AEG because, you know, oh, look at all the money they make. But we forget all our, you know, all of the people like us, the middlemen and the lower tier people who aren't the CEOs who are, who are there routing tours and promoting venues and doing stuff like that, that Anthony, you were hands on doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not for Live Nation, but like, you know, that are not making money right now. But ultimately, let me pose this question to you guys. Fall 2021, given everything you know about what's going on right now, are you cool with that? 
Because right now, and this is probably the most serious this podcast is ever going to get. But right now, we're living in a world, and this might be the Talmud dude talking. Right now, we're living in a world where there's a lot of protests, where people are saying their basic rights are being violated because they can't go out, they can't live their lives, and let's reopen Fuddruckers, and which I'm like, that's the little thing. Uh, but people want to mass gather again. So I post to you guys, and I'm not going to judge you on your, in your answers on this. Are you good with, hey, if they came out and said, guys, we cannot do concerts until fall 2021 because that is when safety is going to, like, everything's going to be clear, everything's going to be safe, everything's going to be good. Are you guys fine with that? Or do you think this is not the way we should be doing things? Do you, or do you think that maybe this is just an exaggeration? Anthony, I'm going to start with you. I would say first and most importantly, my heart goes out to the artists, the independent artists, the mid to lower tier artists who cannot tour right now. I mean, like truly my heart aches for them because of how crucial touring is to an artist's revenue, right? So I would say to answer your question, based off what little data we do have, based off what you know, medical professionals are recommending, I have to side with that, right? Like I will side with the facts uh, over what my heart desires. And my heart desires, you know, in a perfect world, this summer I'd be seeing Rage Against the Machine at Madison Square Garden. Guess what? I've kind of like come just, uh, you know, grips with the fact that it's not going to happen. Like most likely it won't happen, right? Like they canceled their appearance at Boston Calling. So yeah. imagine it's only like a matter of time. Yeah. The thing is, like, even like the coronavirus itself still evolving. Doctors are still discovering like effects from coronavirus, and you know, I can't imagine what the music industry will like will look like in a in a year and a half from now without touring. I mean, it, like, we're talking like the like potential like economic collapse of the music industry as we've known it for the last twenty years, right? Like a post Napster world, and optimistically you know like i've i've learned from people in the industry who i would believe in to kind of navigate and help heal the wounds that this is causing right now i think we'll start to see on-demand content make a comeback we'll start to see price points and products offered that maybe weren't offered in the past and the business model is about to completely change so we could, you know, support the artists we care about. You know, if it's somebody like Justin Bieber, if it's somebody like, Celine, you know, um, Billie Eilish, like those artists, they'll be all right in the long run. But if it comes to somebody later on, I'm going to mention a band called Local H. You know, they're Local like H, kind yeah. of a, yeah, they're a, you know, underground band who, you know, relies on touring, like rigorous touring. Uh, they're on point right now with their digital content. Like every day they're live streaming. Yeah, I wonder and hope for the best for bands of their status and younger, older, everything in between. I do love that song Half Pipe or Local H. That's a good one. Al it's classic. Al, what's your uh, thoughts? Well, to to answer the initial question, you know, will I be okay with it? I have to be. I mean, it's for the safety of, of everyone you know, for everyone. Not not everyone involved, literally the world it's it's we're trying to to help each other that's why we're doing this quarantine in the first place and you know staying home um 
I think in, in a positive note, I think that if this is the case and we have to cancel concerts for the rest of the year, cancel big events, I mean, 2021 is just going to kick ass with events. Like it's going to be every weekend. It's going to be something huge because everyone's going to want a tour because they've just eliminated an entire year and a half, as, as you're saying, uh, away from uh, their schedule. So, you know, any big reunion you're thinking of, or, you know, uh, you know, an album drops, any album that drops this year, they're going to have to tour next year. So there's going to be some pretty, ex- and, you know, we just mentioned all the money that they're losing too as artists. So these are going to be some long, extensive, you know, worldwide tours that we're going to see from artists. Um, so as a photographer and a music lover, I, I'm excited about that. And it gives me something to look forward to. Um, you know, it's just going to be a bummer for the rest of this year. It's like, what the hell are we going to do the rest of this year? I don't know. I, you know, yeah. uh, yeah. And, and it, bleeds, it bleeds over to movies. It bleeds over to sports. You know, oh, yeah. uh, how, how we're going to have, a baseball season, how we're going to have an NFL season, how we're going to go see a movie this year. Like if they're saying we can't go to concerts, like, can we go to the movies? Like, and, and for me, I'm, uh, unlike you strapping, you know, well muscled Italian men, I am more of a higher risk due to my health. Um, so for me, I'm just like, everyone's like, are you like going stir crazy at home? And I'm like, I've been unemployed so many times. This is like, second nature to me is from working from home. It's like, um, for me, I'm just, I'm a little more fearful to go to stuff for that. So I'm like, I'm good with, you know, I like, it sucks. Like I'm going to miss, I, it's going to suck when we had a, I had a luxury box for AEW at Prudential center. And if they rescheduled July, I don't see that happening. Um, especially not New Jersey, even if the rest of the country opens up, New Jersey's more conservative because we've, are getting hit the worst, you know, outside of New York. And um, so I'm okay with it, but I'm going to pose this question to you guys too, is uh, Anthony, you had kind of touched on this is like the, the there's going to be a paradigm shift, right? If, at least temporarily for music, would you guys be up for, for artists you support? Um, you know, I pay for Spotify every month. It's only 10 bucks. Uh, but you know, if a band you like is just saying, Hey, we're going to go on Patreon and this is where our record is going to be released, but you have to pay 20 bucks for it. Would you do it? And Al, listen, I keep going to Anthony first album, but start with you with a band you enjoy. It's like, Hey, we're going to release our album, but it's for 20 bucks only, And that's the only way you can get it. Are you going to drop that $20? Because let's take into consideration this. It's like, you know, our, our lives are also affected by this. You know, mm-hmm. the greater public is affected by this. So how are, you know, it, 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 would you do that? Uh, I mean, personally, yes, but I don't think that's the route that they're going to take. I mean, no, I spoke, not. I spoke with, um, with, um, um, Jesus Christ. Well, Stupid I roast. mean, if you, if you really did, I'm, 
I really did. I swear to God, I did. Happy uh, Easter. He is really. Aladdin Morris tag. Oh, no, that'd be great. <laughs> That's a very good dogma reference. And that, don't forget to check yeah. out our ranking Kevin Smith piece on thepopbreak.com, written by Tommy Tracy. Um, that would be ironic, don't you think? Oh, you suck. Oh, man. Thank you. So, you uh, want to know. I, I, there you go. So, uh, no, I spoke to I Tommy Siegel of Jukebox the Ghost uh, a few months back. Yeah. And I was talking to him because not only is he, um, you know, the he's a part of Jukebox the Ghost. That was nice, Bill. I think you just shattered that glass. No, I just, um, I, I, just I tapped the glass. You're good. good. Uh, not only is he part of Jukebox the Ghost, but he's also uh, a cartoonist who uh, has a Patreon page. And I feel Such that. Such a good cartoonist. He's great. Um, super funny, too. Like, crazy funny. Um I think that's the route we're going to take. Uh, you know, I subscribe to a Patreon uh, podcast that uh, I spend like five dollars a month, and I get a, a you know a weekly podcast. Actually, it's a daily podcast. Five days a week, I get a, a, a podcast from one of my favorite like personalities, uh, Ralph Garman, the Ralph Report, which is uh, I'll, you know, fantastic. I'll, I'll allow that other website plug. Ralph, Garman. that's not a- Ralph Garman is pretty great. I was going to say, was that, you get a lot. You know what? I'm ignoring you. Regardless, I mean, you, you always right. do. I mean, I do. I do. But the, 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 the point I'm trying to make is I don't think we're going to see artists say, hey, we have a brand new album out. It's 20 bucks. We're not putting it on streaming. I think we're going to see the complete opposite. We're going to see, hey, uh, we started a Patreon page. If you want to hear unreleased music special videos you want to get a birthday shout out we're on patreon you spend ten dollars a month and you're supporting us while we're going through this and we're going to give you content uh you know on the reg that's what we're going to see because it's the next it's the next incarnation of the music industry like people are already doing it artists like comic book artists are already doing it uh, adam hughes one of the most famous comic book artists uh, cover artists ever uh, him and his wife just started a patreon page and you know it's you know the lower tier is just getting like you know exclusive videos and stuff and like their highest tier which i think is like 20 a month which is you know pretty steep if you really think about it mm-hmm. um he's giving people like tips and tricks like actually teaching them how to be an artist like him so for the people who are aspiring artists who people like want to get involved in that capacity that's that's a no-brainer for them so i think we're going to see that more within the music industry and uh uh, tommy siegel like i said has a patreon page um i believe ben thorwell who's uh also part of jukebox the ghost that's what they do for their solo materials like they have their you know individual pages and that's how they distribute their music that's genius because you know that they're going to bring diehard fans and they're going to give them something that uh they want that's the next that's that makes sense and i'm going to probably be more willing to give people money each month than throw out 20 bucks at one point to hear you know 10 songs i'd rather spend five dollars a month and get a you know a little something extra from them each month uh anthony what about you yeah i love everything that al said one of the i guess i'll start with kind of what terrifies me a bit and then i'll get into like what sure, sure. excites me so how many people are like unemployed at the moment 
it's reached what like 18 million you know anywhere between like 18 and like 25 million americans by now unemployed so disposable income is definitely shrinking even myself it's like all right what could i delegate for entertainment outside of you know netflix or amazon prime like you know where you get like a large quantity of you know content and for prime, and prime pretty gives affordable you, gives you more yeah and plus video. prime shipping you know, same thing with Spotify. You have access to the world's catalog or Apple Music. You have access to an entire library of 100 years plus of recorded music. So that scares me a bit. I just, uh, well, people, you know, when it comes to like independent artists, if you've been able to navigate all the changes that have occurred within the industry for anywhere between like 10 plus years, yeah, I think you'll survive this. You know why? Because like your willpower, it's going to be tested like it's never been tested before, but these are individuals, creators, artists, musicians, bands who have stuck together and weathered all types of storms, right? So I believe in the artists who have found a way to persevere no matter the odds stacked against them. I, if I can, I will try to contribute to more Patreons. Like, uh, for example, I'm a huge fan of the band Darkest Hour, and they offer all these great perks. Like, merchandise uh, even like flags with like some of their most iconic albums like how cool would that look on the wall looks sick right like that artwork is gorgeous oh wow like that printing of that like rare printing of like you know a variant cover for their album anything like that because what i'm trying to say is that i do think depending on the band and the size of their audience this will be the time where you truly try to get to know your audience more so than ever Right, you probably want to have as firm of a grasp on who your audience is, what their income is, you know, and what kind of uh, exclusives can you provide that would entice somebody who's never contributed to a like a Patreon to join now in the midst of a pandemic. So, yeah, I guess I hope that answers the question. Oh, it absolutely does, and I agree with you. I feel like. Um I'm not as in tune with music as you guys. I mean, I listen to a ton of music, but I'm not as, you know, going to concerts, you know, probably because, um, you know, I'm a dad. And um, so for me, I always look at it really back to wrestling is like you're seeing wrestlers and you're seeing artists, even musicians creating more content that's more personal because now where you're seeing out, like you mentioned with Ben Gibbard, I mean, that's literally from his house. So you have this time to be a, a more intimate with your audience and you can say like, we're in this together now, like the Trent Reznor did. And, and, and we really are. And it's such a, like a trite thing to say, but it's just like when you're, the, it's more of an, it's when you're in a crowd, you're, you could be one of 50 or you could be one of 5,000 or you could be one of 50,000. But when you're watching it on your screen, to me, at least the experience I've had is like, you're one-on-one, -on -one. whether that's a full-piece band. I was watching <laughs> – you guys would be like, Jesus, Bill, your music taste is so weird. Is I was watching on Facebook uh, this New Orleans brass band called Sam's Funky Nation, and they were playing in their driveway and you know, asking for donations and stuff. Like, like To me, I'm like, oh, cool. Like I'm in their world. I'm in that guy's driveway watching him perform. Or um, So there's a lot more creativity – from these artists that could have, maybe they wouldn't have had before. And I think that, like Anthony said, this is time for them to bolster their fan base. Much like pro wrestlers are doing. They're creating videos, Twitter content, 
WWE just let go like 30 to 100 people. Like 30 on-screen talents and probably more in there. Some of those people are already releasing podcasts or releasing t-shirts and they're making their money off of them. So, I mean, that's that's what they have to do and they just have to, you know, like anything was saying, like being on their hustle, which they already have been, you know, they'll learn to adapt. But there is also a lot of concern because you can adapt, but touring was the big adapt- adaptation. So, see how that goes. So, Patreon, like I was saying, is going to be a huge part of what you can do and much like we're supporting local bars and restaurants by doing takeout. Like we have to look that we have to, as consumers of art and media that we have to know it's our kind of our responsibility in terms of as, as consumers to give back. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of something I did recently. Um, uh, I mean, even Besides I just showed you, like super jacked. Well, I mean, that we talk about stuff that we're doing during quarantine to keep oh, us. To, keep to us Toto flexes. It's Toto flexes. Uh, no, uh, you know, just as simple as uh, the the water bottle that I just bought, the Swell water bottle, which is, you know, not, not a plug. We're not getting sponsored by them, but they're doing something cool wish. where you buy a water bottle, they're, they're donating one. Like, that's just, you know, that's a great incentive uh, for me to buy one. Not, you know, I, I feel... Like I'm part of that charitable donation, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm doing a small part in helping. Um, you know, I, we mentioned Ralph Garman. Uh, he him and uh, him and his daughter started a, a charity for the LA food banks. Um, it was his daughter's idea, and she's uh, like eight years old or something. She's like, "Oh, can we help them?" And he's like, "All right, I'll set you up a a uh, like a GoFundMe and." You know, they've raised a few thousand dollars, which it's is like, great. What's what they're going to do for the uh, New Jersey Pandemic uh, Relief Foundation, uh, which raised like $18 million in its first week. Uh, Al, I was telling you, you sent me the link to it, was we're going to see a huge concert. It's going to be Springsteen, Bon Jovi, SZA, like a whole bunch of New Jersey artists. I think, That's awesome. Is Danny DeVito involved in that? Like, If he hosts it, <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, I, I Personally, I'd want Kevin Smith to host it. Well, you know, check out our Kevin Smith ranking piece on thepopbreak.com. But anyway, I, I also, like, you know, support local guys. Speaking of Kevin Smith, Viewsky Universe, uh, I know the guys from Assured Universe podcast, Ming and Brian, I know they're doing... Um, Ming and Mike. Ming and Mike, sorry. Um, they're, you know, they're out there, they're hosting stuff, and you could have them on your podcast for, you know, a reasonable rate. I mean, that's stuff we have to do to try and help each other out. I mean... You know, I'm lucky I still have a full-time job and wife with a very good job, you know, so I can try and do that. You know, I don't know how much longer that job will last, to be perfectly honest with you. But, you know, you have to try and help where you can. There's great charities out there. Last week, Al, at the beginning of the episode, we talked about the Asbury Park Dinner Table. They raised like two grand where a whole bunch of musicians came together, played on Facebook Live, and there is $2,000 for these places to, this charity to buy you know, dinners from restaurants and those, those dinners get sent out to the poor of Asbury park. I mean, that's what we have to do. We have to like come together to help each other, keep each other buoyed about. It's little things like you said too, like just, you know, uh, go, you know, uh, ordering takeout, uh, from a local place, you know, uh, my, my wife and I, uh, there's a winery that's uh, nine minutes from our house and I, we bought a case of wine. Why we, titled the last episode uh, fight i owned on blueberry wine because yeah al got ridiculously hammered on one glass 
It it was a big glass, it and that was, was my third glass. That was my third glass. Anyway, uh, Anthony yeah, is like staring that. at you like you're such a liar. No, <laughs> I'll do it. He's like, no, I know the power of blueberry wine. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, Anthony, I, mean, I would assume is more of an IPA guy than a blueberry wine or grappa. Is your Italian? I don't know. It's, I know that's a fucking Italian thing. I love you guys. Uh, yes, grazie, uh, grazie. You know, guys, grazie. All right, uh, Bill. What's that next topic? All right, let's go on to a slice of fried gold. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Yeah, boy. So, keeping in the music vein, because you know we got Anthony on here, so we got to talk music, but we also have to talk about one of the great movies of all time, one of the great yeah. hit singles of all time. Uh, it's The Wonders reunited on YouTube on Friday uh, to uh, benefit Music Cares, which um, the Grammys, the Grammy Museum uh, sponsors, and uh, raise money for COVID-19. And the original cast, um, Jonathan Sheck, Ethan Embry, uh, Tom Everett Scott, Steve Zahn, they all got on Zoom. And they did a watch along of the movie. Now, unfortunately, uh, I, I did watch it. And when I say unfortunately, I skipped ahead a little bit. Uh, I watched it. Unfortunately, they couldn't show the whole movie due to copyright. Although Tom Everett Scott did have it just kind of in the background. Um, they would zoom in on the film every once in a while. Uh, Colin Hanks showed up. Giovanni Ribisi showed up. Colin Hanks was amazing because he's like, guys, I have like one scene and I'm just here to hang out. <laughs> um and they watched that thing you do. We just did this commentary, and they were also eBay. They were also auctioning off uh, some vinyl, which supposedly the auction went super high. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I probably watched the first forty-five minutes of it. It was just those guys genuinely like each other. Generally, genuinely, I should say, love this movie. And gave a lot of insight about this movie. There's some stuff that came up I never knew about the film, which I will go into with you guys in a little bit. Um, but yeah, let's talk about that thing you do. Anthony, did you watch any of the live stream? And also give us a little bit of personal history with that thing you do. Of course, the hit song written by the uh, fellow New Jerseyan, the late Adam Schlesinger, who passed away due to COVID-19. Anthony, tell us about your relationship with the movie and did you watch the live stream? I'm a proud owner of that thing you do on VHS. Yes. And I could probably yes. go take a look and find it if uh, if I walk away for a couple of minutes. So that being said, I grew up on that movie. I own the CD. So, you know, not, so not from good. iTunes, not like, you know, mm. download it offline for Spotify. I have the CD. Probably like one of the first CDs I actually like owned back in like 96, 97. And like going off that, I've watched this film. Well, Al is showing the Blu-ray as we speak. Of course, speak Al also screen. blurred out uh, his background, so yeah, it looks yeah, like he's holding out, up like, a dirty you know, old school hip-hop video. And <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know, that being said, you when, when you watch a film like that thing you do and you just recognize this chemistry amongst, you know, the four band members and even, like, their family, Liv Tyler, you hope as a viewer, depending on what type of viewer you are, you hope that chemistry does like transcend the screen. Like there's just something that is heartwarming about the fact that like these guys might actually be like good friends outside of the movie. And if anything, that's like the happy ending you want, you know, because we're watching like a fictional story. But when you see chemistry, that's so enlightening, so charming, 
uh, that just grabs you from an audience's perspective. It's great to see these guys 24, 25 years later live streaming and just like they haven't missed a beat. So I watched the interview they did with Rolling Stone and I watched probably the first 20 minutes of the live stream they did and what like blew me away. Bill, you kind of alluded to this is how they went in depth about like the making of the film in a way that I had never heard prior to these conversations. And I just wanted to mention this. I actually wrote down the quote. So Steve Zane, he said the cool thing about this, you know, about making this film, we rehearse as a band. We didn't rehearse as a cast. We didn't do scene work. All I remember is us in the studio playing these songs over and over again. And when they did their first like script reading with, you know, the director and the producers and like, you know, the entire staff, all four guys, uh, Jonathan took them to a shop in Melrose. They bought matching like ties and dress shirts and they performed all the wonder songs in front of the entire like production staff. That was their first like screen reading. So it's why that film holds up so well is that like it was a labor of love. The performers themselves put such effort to make sure that we were blown away by the chemistry and it holds up so well. I mean, one of my favorite aspects of the film before, you know, I wrap up is that it captures the buildup of what it takes to be a band. It captures the high of when they hit it big. Yeah. And it really captures how quickly it can all collapse in front of you. And I could imagine there's so many artists before and since who have watched that film. They've, probably tugged at the heartstrings they've probably felt with those guys fictionally achieved and what they lost so i love that thing you do one of my favorite memories of it is actually more recent i interned for disney about four years ago i primarily worked in a library type of setting we had a tv and we had a whole selection of movies and i put that on so much because i just needed like a music fix so well so anthony uh, what was that the first was time so when was the first time you saw it? Since you owned it on VHS, where did I didn't where, see it in the theaters? I saw it on VHS probably sometime in like 1997, 1998. Perfect. Alfred, I was seven or eight years old at the time. Oh, shut <laughs> up! <laughs> I was in high yeah. school. I mean, I remember. I don't remember the exact time or place I watched that movie, but I watched that when I was really young. I probably watched it with my my sister and my and my mom. Uh, because she loves Tom Hanks because everyone does. Uh, and we were always obsessed with that movie. And I remember the reason I, I was showing you guys the Blu-ray is because um, I found out my wife had never seen it. So I like hunted down the Blu-ray at, uh, I think, a Best Buy, uh, my like local Best Buy. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. Oh, they are... God bless. They're, the, the, you know, one of the best bands ever, obviously. Uh, you know, uh, Toto kind of stole the, the the thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, you know, about them actually having practice as a band before actually doing the, the script reading. So they had literally got up and performed the song during the table read, and the rest of the the cast were like, "What the fuck is happening right now?" Um, like that's so cool, and and it's funny that they never really reunited as an entire band before, because wasn't there like a show on comedy central bill? You remember this from like last year or two years ago where 
the th- like three of them reunited. It was like a li- not a lip sync, but it was like a karaoke. Was it for a Red Nose Day? It wasn't for Red Nose Day. I'll, I'll look it up while you know while we're talking. But you know, this was this is great. Like this was such a a, a fun idea for like a cult movie, and obviously. It all came about because of you know Adam's death, uh, you know the, the the late great um, Adam Schlesinger, um, but you know it's for a great cause and it was it's, it, it's such a classic movie. It is a super super underrated movie. It's Tom Hanks's directorial debut, right? Yeah, and Playtone <laughs> is his. Uh, I believe he still does productions under that. Uh, yeah, was so funny. I can remember the Entertainment Tonight special. I, th- I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast with you, Al, is on they were doing a search for the song. And I remember them putting Adam Schlesinger on. They're just showing his audition tape. And, like, I remember it's like, oh, this guy from New Jersey. So I'm, like, you know, 13, 14 hearing this. I'm like, oh, my God, like, there's a guy from New Jersey. Now, unfortunately, now, unlike you guys, I didn't see this movie in full. Like, I knew the song. Like, I could sing you the song before I – I didn't see this movie until last year. So my wife was like, have you, you've never seen that thing you do? I'm like, I said, I've seen like a bits and pieces. I'm like, whatever. I don't really care. And she's like, you have to watch this movie. You'll love it. And I watched it. I'm like, Oh, you're right. I do love this movie. And it's just like the soundtrack chef's kiss. Perfect. Um, it's just someone, I think someone who was talking about it, like from the cast was like, this isn't a movie with a villain. This is just a story. And it's genuinely, like, even though they kind of make the Jonathan Sheck, like, he's kind of, like, the reason they break up, or he's, like, kind of, like, the contrarian of the group, he still ends up with a happy ending, which is really cool. And, like, watching those guys on the Zoom, Zoom, you know, live watch was super cool because, like, you just saw all them enjoying it. Like, Sheck had his, like, his one kid on his lap. They are eating popcorn uh, and they're just remembering stuff. Like I think one of the one of the locations they had was actually a location used in Back to the Future. Uh, so somewhere Logan Fowler just died, um, and there's our reference out. And um, also, I didn't know this too is like there is a whole bunch of deleted scenes, or no, I'm sorry, there's one deleted scene with Howie Long. And yes, Howie so, Long, and, and I did. I did never knew this, so I had to look it up. Yeah. And it was like there's this crazy deleted scene that Howie Long is the romantic partner of Tom Hanks' character. Now, yep. played in genuine, you know, authentic 1960s nature. He is like his driver, his cohort. This is what they also said on the Zoom. It was like he was their co- cohort, and you could tell. That scene. And it was cut, and it's such a great scene because Tom Everett Scott and Rita Wilson pull up to the hotel. Tom Everett Scott's just bombed, still yelling, I am Spartacus. And yes. there's a scene, and I like to me, I'm like, wow, this is a, for 1996, that's still a pretty, that's a, that's a ballsy move for a, like a mainstream film with Tom Hanks in it that's a comedy to do something like that. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So for my first watch with my wife, who had never seen the movie before, I was expecting That Thing You Do, the movie that I grew up on and seen a million times on cable. I had watched the director's cut, Tom Hanks' original cut of the film, 
with that scene and other scenes. Wow, it's not good. It's not good at all. The fact that you have the the theatrical cut, which is a pretty solid, perfect film. Like it's a very underrated, solid movie. It did not. Like you it could did put not, that. It was not a blockbuster. It didn't do great when it was released. No, at all. I wasn't saying like a huge financial hit. I'm saying like you put that movie on, you're engaged the whole time. Oh, it is a great movie. There's no parts where you're like they should cut this. No, watch the director's cut. It is not good. It's. They he must have showed it to Spielberg or some one of his friends at the time and said like hey any notes and they're like yeah take all of this out because it is like everything that they removed was for the best and in that scene included because not because of you know the uh, the allude not not because alluding to Hanks's relationship with Howie Long they made Tom to, Tom Everett Scott look like a total dick they did yeah watch that scene again and he is an asshole in that scene um i I, the it's one of the only times where i'm like man the theatrical cut was the right call definitely (laughs) you know i was gonna mention that especially for tom hanks whose star power has been like consistent for the past like 35 plus years but he's coming off toy story and forrest gump at that point right so i thought that was such a interesting route to pursue when really i mean he was at the top of his game in that time frame oh absolutely yeah and for him to take that risk to be a director on something that is like it's not like it's i don't know it's weird for me to say it's not like overly mainstream accessible it's not hollywood blockbuster like everything tom hanks had done like during that time period was like philadelphia forrest gump toy story like huge Oscar winning big money movies and Apollo 13 around that time too. It's just like, and here's like this little movie about a one hit wonder sixties pop group. And, but it's crazy how that movie has stuck. Cause I'm, I'm sure if you took the top 10 to 15 grossing movies of that year, that thing you do is probably more memorable than 80% of those movies. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, you know, you have a uh, young Charlie Theron in that as well. It was Which written. They also said uh, in the Zoom that there was way more of her originally yeah, written it and, was. and on the floor, cutting floor. Yeah. Uh, it was written and directed by Hanks, too. Like, this was like such a passion project for him. And it makes you say, like, I want to see more written and directed by Tom Hanks movies. You know, I hope, you know, I mean, I don't hope uh, anything. I just hope that he's okay after everything. But I hope that you know maybe he gets a uh, you know some inspiration to to do more writing and directing after this you know quor- you know self quarantining that he has to do. Um, I know he's big into documentaries and and World War II and typewriters, but I would love to see uh, uh, another written and directed by uh, Hanks movie. That'd be awesome. Well, I mean, dude, I saw the last movie he directed. That was Larry Crown with Julie Roberts, and that movie was a raging piece of shit. <laughs> I love Tom Hanks. I saw that with my mom and my cousin in a very desolate movie theater in Manahawk in New Jersey. You know exactly the movie theater I'm talking about, Al, because you live right by there. It is it, the worst theater in the world. Uh, then that was not a good movie to watch in that theater. Holy shit. <laughs> 
You know, I would say like one more point about the film. It's nice to know, like looking back, it was a one-off film. I mean, we live, we currently live in a, like a media environment based off like IP and franchises. And to me, seeing this cast reunite through a Zoom conference, I'll take that over a sequel kind of like any day of the week. There's just like this fondness. You know that they're all doing well. They have their families with them watching the live stream. Like there's just some sort of, like if you're moved by a performance and you know like, all right, here we are all this time later, all these years have gone by and they're all doing well. Like that's genuinely, like it just makes me happy that like they're all happy, healthy, hanging in there. And they've all like have gone on to successful careers and you know they're still active performers and you could catch them in like a multitude of TV shows, independent films, even like major studio films. So yeah, like I said that a bit earlier, but there's been a true happy ending to that film that goes beyond the narrative you, Anthony, do you know the Pop Break Wonder story? No, so, I do not. So yeah, Al knows the story because I told him I was going to do it. So yeah. last year, was it last year or two years ago? I think it was last year, right, Al? I think so. so. So yeah, I got, I was like going through some stuff and I was like, I'm just going to drink a lot one night. Shocking of shocks. And then I texted Al and I'm, I messaged Al. And I was like, I'm going to tweet at everyone who was in that thing you do, and I am going to try and book at House of Independence in Asbury Park with a stone pony. I'm going to book a Wonders reunion. So I tweeted them, and Jonathan Sheck replied. He's like, you got the money. We'll be there. And I brought it up to, I think, the Wonder Bar, and they're like, yeah, if we can make that happen, yeah, let's try and do it. And I fucked it up. But, I mean, like... So, yeah, I definitely, I'm still, like, want to do that. Because I think it would be a lot of money because you got to fly all those guys out from everywhere. They have to get their shit together and play. But, man, if we could make that happen, we would be the heroes of the world. You have contacts that, like, see here now. Am I mistaken? Right? Uh, I mean, that would be a huge guy. I know. Yeah, I mean, I know. Or even, like, what a stone pony summer stage, right? I'm like not, something again, post I know, I know, I know coronavirus. Couple, I know a couple ladies and men there, but I mean, if we could make that happen, it would be amazing. And the fact that Sheck, I mean, even totally. responded, I was just like hammered off my buns, and I was just like, "Holy shit, this might happen!" <laughs> but yeah, I think, and I think, I feel like we will actually see once all this clears up. I, I don't, I would not be shocked to see them perform again. Um, so real quick before we end this segment, it was I mean, the we God talk about this. I mean, besides I, being a duck. Also, I still, podcast, I still, I still love Liv Tyler. All right. Always she have. Was always supposed to, she's supposed to be, on, she was supposed to be on that, but they said, cause she's in England right now. She couldn't make it, but she wanted to, she really wanted oh, to be on oh, the well. zoom. Yeah. Steve, Oh, Steve Zahn was saying that. Yeah. But if, uh, besides being a, that thing you do stand podcast on the ducktail stand podcast, you know, Stuff. I was I was gonna really quickly say that the goddamn comedy jam on Comedy Central was like a short lived. Um, I think it was it was actually a bunch of famous people involved, but it was like a comedy set that ended with the comedian being like the lead singer of, of the Wonders. No, that would be great. No one 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 person picked that, and they got the original members. But it was basically like. It was a comedy set that turned into karaoke. Hmm. Oh, okay. So like, 
Natasha Legero, Adam Devine, Pete Davidson, Jay Farrow, Jim Jeffries. I think Hardwick did it because he was in like uh, an original. Uh, uh, I think he was in the original uh, Rock of Ages. Maybe. Don't ever, like, watch, don't ever watch that movie, by the way. Oof. I was, wasn't was planning on it. But what I'm saying is. I watched is, the first 15 minutes and I want to immolate myself. <laughs> but yeah, so the goddamn comedy jam, they actually had like a, a like a quasi wonders reunion where I think two or three of the original members joined, like uh, they were on stage and they actually performed that thing you do. Nice. All right, so let's let's speaking of music, let's move into music in a time of quarantine. Yeah, a little flourish. James Hatfield, right there, man. Yeah, man, that's what I got to do. So we're talking about music that we're to- or a band that we're totally digging right now uh, in this time of quarantine. I'll be a selfish bastard, and I'm going to go first uh, because I'm going to start with something a little different because I usually go with an Asbury, um, an Asbury band first. But uh, I discovered this. Uh, it's going to be one song. It's going to be Superman by Goldfinger. Now, this is actually a remake of their original song. It was, again, it was a video that was uh, posted on, uh, online via Zoom. And it was the members of Goldfinger featuring uh, Mike Herrera, who I did not, re- of MXPX, who I did not realize was now the bass player for Goldfinger. Also, Travis Barker is a member of it. And I saw um, the horn player for Real Big Fish is in there. Uh, Wow, that was I forgot how great of a song Superman was. It is so good. Such a, and the new version is just as good if not if not a little better, I think. Uh it's just this really fun really I don't know, there's something about this song where I'm just like, damn, like this is the song we need right now. It's uplifting, it's fun, it's it's it has good lyrics to it. It's talking about growing up a little bit or getting older. And it's got that high energy, and damn, man, it brought me back to the days when that music was cool and and new. <laughs> Dating myself when you guys were still in swaddling clothes. And, uh, yeah, if you're looking for just a one-off song, look for Superman 2020, uh, Goldfinger. Uh, Goldfinger is just a really fun band. I remember interviewing uh, the lead singer at the backstage of Rutgers Fest in 2003, and it was weird because we we're also talking about SARS because that was going on at the time. So, yeah. So, tying full circle in the shitty nature. But uh, Goldfinger, great band to see live. Such a fun time. And, yeah, definitely check out the, the new single, well, redid single, Superman by Goldfinger. So, Anthony, uh, what, like, uh, artists or song or what are you checking out right now? Or d- just totally vibing on Digging, yeah, which Al hates, but I'm going to say <laughs> If you need an outlet to let off some steam, you need some like distorted guitars, crashing drums, intense musical delivery, delivery, or even something that's just like multifaceted, really takes you on a journey. Brought them up a bit earlier. The band is called Local H. As of this past Friday, they just put out their ninth studio album. It's called Lifers, and it was produced by Steve Albini. You might know Ooh. Steve Albini from Nirvana, Pixies, PJ Harvey, even the Stooges. This guy is a Chicago legend who had a really tremendous impact on the entire 90s music landscape. And 
he's a Chicago-based producer. Local H grew up in the outskirts of Chicago, so like two Chicago entities kind of farming into one colossal power, mega powers, right? Uh, Bill, right? So, wrestling reference. Uh, anyway, so long story short, I mean, this is a band that has kind of always had their back against the wall. You know, their second album put them on the map in '96. It's called "As Good as Dead." And what they had the, some successful the, singles. Yeah, what was the singles off of that? Bound, Bound for the Floor, which I think a lot of like you know people will know as the song with Copacetic. Yeah, um, yeah. You no, just no, don't no, get it. You keep, keep it Copacetic, and you learn to accept. Yeah, yeah. So that and Eddie Vedder, right? Like those were the two popular yes. singles off that album. And what happened with them, just to kind of like sum this up, was their third album is historically regarded as their you know best album, but their label went through a transition and completely dropped the ball. So like no, you know, radio airplay, no budget for their, like their music videos, and uh, they went underground since then. And they definitely personify that crave that hunger you know if you're dedicated if you're willing to like die for what you love then you'll find a way to keep that you know spirit and that output and the quality most importantly alive and uh, they've had a really consistent catalog and especially last decade the fact that like they were still going so strong and put out like two critically acclaimed albums that even wound up opening for metallica uh during like their hardwired to uh, self-destructor they opened up in like chicago and some of the midwest cities and that kind of brought them back into my you know spectrum helped me kind of rediscover the band and you know i've seen them twice within like the last two years and i want to mention this story i think it's pretty cool it sums up kind mm-hmm. of their uh, attitude if you want to see a band live that gives you a thousand percent i'm talking like chip on the shoulder like pure aggression gonna like sweat and bleed the heart out into every riff every time change every core progression they're a two-piece band that's what and i was gonna ask the you vo- they're a two-piece yeah they're a two-piece band you know even kind of predate the white stripes and the black keys to an extent so all that being said i think the vocalist and the guitarist like you know he's the main songwriter, his name is Scott Lucas. The guy is just criminally underrated, and I truly believe he's one of the best songwriters of his generation. And Lifers came out as of eight days ago. So I highly recommend everyone go on Spotify, go on Apple Music, even go on YouTube or go on their website, buy the vinyl, buy the CD. It's potentially their best album. I don't know how many bands you could say by the time they get to their ninth album might have put out their best work so i think that deserves to be commended production wise it's top notch it's aggressive it's in your face it's raw and it's really diverse they have kind of mastered that really difficult balance of honing on to the core element of their sound yet experimenting and expanding their sound i I think that's always kind of the ultimate challenge for any band as you progress in your careers how do you maintain that balance so in particular Right. Like, I just think the album, it, it's hit at the perfect time. You know, again, with all this anxiety of what's happening every single day, check it out. I think you'll feel better. It's a great way to unleash some aggression through a healthy outlet. And in particular, my four favorite songs are Patrick Bateman, <laughs> Beyond the Valley of Snakes, Sunday Best, 
and Defy and Surrender. These range from up-tempo ragers to sludge metal to acoustic to even like progressive rock or metal. So if you're a fan of Nirvana, if you're a fan of Soundgarden, Helmet, Queens of the Stone Age, Foo Fighters, this band is up your alley. Did you see them? Uh, I think they did a Brighton bar not long ago, right? I saw them at the Asbury Lanes. So again, Which, like, like the kinda, new one or the old one? The new one. The okay. new one. So this was the fall of 2018. All right. Okay. So I'll, I'll sum this up very quickly. They performed for three hours. All right. Holy they shit. They performed three sets. Okay. So they performed for three hours. The first set was a mix of songs and hits from their entire catalog. The second set was celebrating the 20th anniversary of their album, Pack Up the Cats. Again, regarded as their masterpiece. What was cool is they came out and introduced themselves as the Cats Pajamas, and they all wore pajamas. God um, damn it. Well, cats Pajamas so they were, is one of my it's, favorite phrases of all time. Exactly. I mean, it, it's a two-piece band. For that set, they brought out two additional musicians, and then they their encore and went back to the two of them. And again, after performing for three hours, they end the set. Scott Lucas puts his guitar on the rack, jumps off the stage in the Asbury Lanes. Like he jumps onto a speaker, jumps off the speaker, walks right over to the merchandise booth, and meets with fans for the next hour. After like singing his ass off, screaming, performing with like everything he possessed energy wise, he took the time to meet everybody, sign CDs and vinyl and take pictures and whatever. And yeah, I think those are usually like the guys you you know, I want to root for, you know, just go and get it and make it happen somehow. You know, a hot take. New Asbury Lanes ain't bad, man. New Asbury Lanes I ain't like bad. it. Uh, their diner, get definitely get the uh, disco fries. They're very good. Hell yeah. Completely agree. So that's the story. Local H Lifers. Go check it out. Nice. Alfred? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be pretty quick with mine. Uh, I When I was in college... Uh, I was strictly indie alternative rock, like very, very specific, you know, Killers, Phoenix, Interpol, Kings of Leon, uh, Coldplay. Nothing has really changed, but my my roommate, uh, who I did not really know at the time, um, he introduced me to a band called The Day to Remember, and I started getting into, um, you know, this... I guess hardcore scene. The reason I liked them because they were more of a blend. They were more alternative and had this hardcore element. Yeah. And they became like the, like my go-to gym playlist until I discovered run the jewels, like day to remember. Uh, I instantly became hooked. So they released a, a new song for their upcoming album called you're welcome, which I love the the album title. It will be their first album in four years. The new song is called mind reader, solid single. Um, everything they put out so far, they've had three songs. Um, they've had, uh, degenerates, uh, uh, degenerates, resentment and mind reader. So that's all from their upcoming album, which, uh, they haven't officially said it's coming out this month. And I don't think it's going to come out this month, but it's coming out, I think, at some point this year. I think they're kind of waiting for all of this to blow over, in the words of uh, yes, Simon Pegg. Our Lord and Savior. Uh, our Lord and Savior. Um, I, I absolutely recommend listening to them. And if you're working out at home or you know running around your neighborhood because you can't go to the gym, a day to remember, always a solid bet. 
to to get the uh, the blood flowing. Absolutely. Let, speaking of recommendations, let's move into our next segment. That is the watch list, which we're talking about TV series or films or what have you that we are watching right now or that we want to recommend to you guys to be checking out. Now, Al, you already spoke about you're going to defy the rules of this segment because yes. you are the reluctant managing editor of this site. And while I love you, you are a bit of a douche. Um, yes. Please tell us the show or series or whatever the hell you want to say that you want to recommend. Yeah, I'll say something really quick one more time. Um, it's uh, it's not Ducktales. I know this is uh, uh. starting to become it's starting to become a Ducktales podcast. No, um, it's actually a documentary miniseries that premieres uh, tomorrow. For, but for people who listen to it, the first episode would have already premiered, and I think it's every Sunday, uh, probably for the rest of the month. It's a uh, it's called The Last Dance, and it is a 2020 uh, sports documentary miniseries that focuses on the 1997-1998 Chicago Bulls. Oh, um, Anthony Toto is going to jump across this screen and kill you for saying that. Yes, because he has yeah. a great piece on thepopbreak.com about what was the what was the game again, Anthony? Game six, the NBA Finals, 1996. Uh, excuse me, it was uh, it was June 14th, 1998. It was when the Bulls won their sixth championship. So the the last dance is about that entire season, and uh, it provides like interviews with the the entire team. And you know, if you've ever watched any of the ESPN Thirty for Thirties, you know you're going to get like some super high quality docu series. Like they can make anything interesting in the in the style that they do it in. They, uh, uh, I think. Earlier uh, last year, they did like a mini thirty for thirty about uh, gritty, yes, the, uh, the Flyers mascot, and it was great. Oh, it's awesome! Oh yeah, ESPN's like social game is so strong. I know uh, Toto knows this for sure. Like they'll do like a this day in history. It'll be about Space Jam. Like they're so smart. Like they're 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 they know their audience so well. But um, I remember seeing a trailer for this last year. And I know you could put Jordan in anything and you're already hyped, but like the, this season is, is legendary obviously. And I absolutely cannot wait to watch it. So it's not a recommendation for something I have seen. It's something that I'm going to absolutely watch. Uh, it's, I think every Sunday at nine, I think it's six parts. Um, yeah. The last dance on ESPN. I believe you can watch it like via, ESPN Plus or uh, just the regular ESPN if you have cable still. As a Knicks fan from the 1990s, Jordan, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Anthony, that's one of your favorite guys. What's the show or movie or what, what have you that you would recommend? So I'm obviously a big rock listener. It's not all I listen to, but... I love my grunge bands and there is a documentary I have watched many times and it's currently on Amazon prime. It's called I'm now the story of mud honey and mud honey is oh, a crucial, fuck. crucial band. So if you have prime, you can look this up. You can watch it immediately after, you know, you listen to this podcast, just wait until the end. Hear yeah. us all the way out. So, you know, again, I'm just a fan of bands who stick it out, who like stick together and find a way to persevere because the industry changes every single year. 
And you just never know what's going to happen next. And these guys were really as integral as like Soundgarden for the early Seattle scene that inevitably like changed the paradigm of music. Now they might have have been like as commercially successful as Pearl Jam or Nirvana, but they were heavily influential for that city. This documentary, it's only like an hour and 40 minutes, but it does a great job of really capturing their story, capturing their dynamic as bandmates. But more importantly, like these guys have always been best friends and that kind of independent ethos. It really, you know, it takes to maintain being a band for 30 plus years and, the cool thing is they started off on sub pop records and they were the band that kind of launched that label and they're still on sub pop records. They've, you know, changed now they briefly changed in the nineties, but long story short, uh, these guys are as good as they've ever been. Their catalog is, is just extremely consistent. If you're a fan of Seattle music, I think this is a must watch. So originally, I was going to talk about wrestling, but I'm not, because everyone went documentary, and through talking through this, we've mentioned grunge a few times. I am going to go with a something that I, I think you could catch on HBO, on their streaming platform, but you could definitely get on Amazon, and you could also pick it up for two bucks on iTunes, or whatever it's called now. And that is the Dave Grohl documentary series, Sonic Highways. Uh, Al and I basically watched it in real time together. That's basically why this podcast exists, because Al and I do a lot of stuff in real time together over Facebook Messenger. And never, like, we just talk all the time. So, like, or we'll watch, like, Twin Peaks. You know, so it's like, Anthony, have you watched Sonic Highways? Yeah, I, so believe it or not, I am a huge Foo Fighters fan, and I've seen some of the episodes. I haven't had like an HBO subscription in like it's, many, many you, years, so, so that's part the of the first season why. is on Prime. So I highly recommend cool. going checking this cool. out because basically, what the the premise of the show for people who don't remember it came out a few years ago. It's um, the record Sonic Highways. So basically, what they did every track was recorded in a specific uh, city, a specific specific sorry producer like Steve Albini, uh, was on one of the episodes in Chicago. And what Dave Grohl did was he dove into the musical history of every town. Usually um, would have like a guest on each, uh, on some of the tracks at least. I know he had one of the guys from, uh, he had Zach Brown on one of them. He had one of the guys from Cheap Trick on it. Uh, the The guitarist, he had other people on it too. So he did episodes in New Orleans, which was, uh, for me, I'm a big New Orleans music fan, which was awesome. And he talked to, and it wasn't just all in regards to the song he was creating, but he would talk to like Alan Toussaint and Dr. John and, you know, going to different genres and like, and, and, and talking to press all jazz band, like not everyone who's involved in record, but it's just like, let's talk about the rich history uh, they did with DC. They talked about the hardcore scene. They talked about like a hip hop scene there. They also went to LA or Pat Smear talked about his time in the germs. Uh, they went to Chicago, Steve Albini. They were talked about New York city, um, mentioned Kiss a bunch of times, which is cool. Uh, Seattle, obviously, Ben Gibbard was on that one. Ben Gibbard, I guess, should be on our next episode. We've dropped his name like four times. Um, and it's a really cool way, a, a really cool experience to be like, uh, almost like a Ken Burns type documentary. It's this very immersive one hour about each scene. 
and 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 by a scene, I don't mean a specific sound. Like in Chicago, they talked about the punk scene with Steve Albini, but they also talked with Buddy Guy. They also talked about the blues scene. Like, the, and they they talk about a lot of different things in these episodes and a lot of different musical genres. And Dave, kind of weaving, especially when they get to DC, weaving his own personal music history into this. It's very cool. And if you're a music head, man, this is just like. It opens you up to so much music you might not have realized that was even out there. And it takes you behind the scenes on making of a record. I think probably maybe the weakest part of the thing is that there's a music video at the end of every episode. But Dave Grohl as a documentarian is great. So, you love music. A plus, chef's kiss. Uh, Anthony, like this, you will you will burn through this thing in like two days. If that. Yeah, totally. I've seen the Steve Albini episode. I want to say I saw the Seattle episode and I saw the New York episode, but they wanted to like, what, eight different cities? Yeah, I can't remember all of them. I know, I, like I said, I know New Orleans is one. I know Nashville is one. Uh, I know, like I said, LA, Seattle, Chicago, New York. I think DC. it's eight. I can't remember I think, all of them. I, I think Toto's right because it's, it's the amount of songs on the album, I believe. Yeah. I, I, Bill, I want to balance off your point, though, if we're recommending like documentaries and especially going off Foo Fighters, what I can tell you and highly recommend, probably my favorite band documentary of all the time is Back and Forth. So a chronicle, like it, it just it captures the Foo Fighters timeline between, you know, post like post Nirvana, you know, uh, Dave on a personal level coping with Kurt's passing. And then which, how which like, is which they dive into a bunch in in the Seattle episode. They also go into Austin, which they talk about Austin City Limits, the show, and they also talk a lot with Willie Nelson. But yeah, he does, he does, and there's a lot in the L.A. one is a very emotional episode because Pat Smear talks about his time with the Germs and his relationship with the lead singer who lost his life, and it it, it can get very, it gets heavy when it needs to be, but it's a heavy from an honest standpoint. It's not like we have to play these heartstrings. It's, it's, it comes from a very personal level. Yeah, and just even going back to uh, back and forth, it just captures like each era of Foo Fighters up until Wasting Light, which is my favorite record in their catalog. That and the first album are my two personal favorites. But yeah, like it captures at least you know fifteen to uh, you know fifteen to twenty years worth of you know Foo Fighters history and you know, the following project he did was Sonic Highway. So this is kind of the precursor. And I believe this has been on Netflix for quite some time. I don't know if it's still on there, but yeah, it's two hours and 30 minutes. I highly, I mean, again, it's my favorite music documentary. Listen, if we're going to just plug Dave Grohl related music documentaries, Sound City yes. is I haven't watched awesome. it. Damn it. Good. I can put it on my Netflix queue now. Okay. Mm-hmm. If it's hey, listen, if it's not on Netflix, it's free on IMDb TV. Oh yeah, which, which I'm just finding out as a thing. It's a thing. It's actually pretty great because last night I watched The Big Short, which is super rewatchable. Love that movie. Sound City's excellent. Um, you know, it's about the the, the fabled recording studio, but he Dave Grohl is uh, just such to a interrupt you for one second. Back and forth is definitely on Amazon Prime right now. Great, cool. 
Excellent. Good to know, because I, I haven't seen that in years, and it's very good. Um, but he's like, you know, he's obviously a savant because he's a great documentarian and, you know, musician. But the cool thing about Sound City is it starts off as a documentary about um, the, 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 you know, the recording studio. And more specifically, it's the actual board, right? Mm-hmm. Like the actual, they're like, it's like magic, basically. Mm-hmm. Um it goes into a full documentary about all the, the incredible music that came out of it. And then he gets, he buys the board from them and then makes incredible music with it. Like original recordings with like some of the biggest artists in the, the world. Um, and that was a cool way to end it and a, a way that I didn't expect. So um, yeah, so, let's so just sounds, keep plugging Dave Grohl. Sound City is currently you could it's it's for rent on Amazon Prime and iTunes, but you can get them free right now on YouTube. And IMDb and not, TV. Yeah, and not like free like oh some dude recorded it. It's like legit. Uh, yeah. All right, cool. Ah uh, man, so yeah, this is perfect. We, uh, I love how we this is the most music we've talked about on this podcast. I'm talking a lot yeah. with my hands right now. It's the your your Anthony is like. Uh, He's influenced me to talk my hands. Um, so, you know, I'll just be making a piece of it by myself because I'm the most <laughs> non-Italian guy on this podcast. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get to, we're gonna head into the home stretch. We're gonna be talking about a glimmer of hope. Glimmer of hope. Oh boy, oh boy. A glimmer of hope is a segment we talk uh, where we talk about a news piece that's come out that's like uh, you know giving us a promise of some hope coming out. Uh, something cool, something positive that we can look forward to. And um, we kind of touched upon it a little bit. You know, Al mentioned about the Jordan doc. But there's another documentary coming out. I think this is also the most documentaries we've talked about. On Disney Plus, starting on May the 4th, which has become Star Wars Day. Um, and that is the eight-part, and I'm so happy it's in eight parts, uh, Mandalorian documentary. Uh Anthony, we're gonna start with you. Former Dis- two, t- you did, you had two runs in in, in Orlando. I'm mm-hmm. talking like you were in NXT there for a second. Uh, you had two runs with Disney. Uh, what's your relationship with the Mandalorian? And uh, give me your level of excitement about a a documentary about. I know you're a music guy, but like for a making of a television series, how excited are you for this coming up? In my opinion, I think The Mandalorian is the greatest contribution Disney has made to the Star Wars mythos. And that's not a knock against the new trilogy. It's just I think The Mandalorian truly like encapsulizes what like it holds on to what we love most about the past. Right. But it introduces a whole world of characters and simplifies what's a pretty huge, you know, library of characters and stuff right like it's it kind of um brings it to the basics right and like the pacing of the show and like the fact that like the mandalorian emits so much emotion yet is wearing a mask throughout the entirety of that series continues to like just blow my mind but all that being said i think with the documentary i mean if you are interested in pursuing film or you know costume design you know Anything within the sci-fi realm, I mean, this is, like, a free film class, so to speak, if you have a Disney Plus subscription. I would definitely, like, take some notes and just pay close attention to what Jon Favreau especially has to say, right? Like, Jon Favreau has been one of the most influential directors for the past, you know, 20 years, has really 
made like an immense impact on Hollywood in general. And so all that being said, I'm excited just to see his creative process and even learn from like people behind the scenes who don't necessarily get the exposure or the credit. Has there ever been something like a documentary of this like immensity so close? Like, I mean, like the Mandalorian just really came out. It hasn't been that long. I think something so, of this in-depthness, I mean, I mean, it's a little different, but it's something this in-depth. I would have to go back to the Lord of the Rings, like extended cuts with those, that roar you hear in the background is my kid going insane, um, is um, the Lord of the Rings syndicate documentaries, because those were full-length movies. Like, those were like at least, gosh, I want to say, like it felt like at least 90-minute documentaries that went so granular with with that, that I don't feel like we really had seen in a, a full length movie so far. Um, but yeah, that's the only thing I can think of unless Al, you could correct me like you always do. No, no, I wasn't going to correct you. The, the, what I was going to say was, I think they're taking the game of Thrones approach and doing that. Like, remember, I don't know if it was throughout the entire series, Bill, you can correct me on this, but they would do that. Like the behind the episode, like immediately following the, the episode, I, I feel like these are just extended versions of that that would have probably been on a DVD set if that existed anymore. And now they're like, well, listen, we can't film anything. We already have this stuff filmed. We could take this footage, make it uh, a bingeable documentary that people seem to love and and give it to people to hold them over until the next season. Like, it's genius, you know, Um if you've watched any of the Disney Plus stuff, which I think I recommended, I think on the first or second episode, yeah, no, I agree with uh, you. The Disney Plus documentaries are so good. The like Ima- the one oh, well, day- Anthony, I'll get your opinion on the Matt. We both, Al and I, are both like extolled the virtues of Imagineering. The documentary. Did you get a chance to check so that good. out? Believe it or not, even being like a former Disney cast member, I haven't really delved too much into Disney Plus outside of the Mandalorian and a couple mm-hmm. of like the classic films. Yeah, you got to check it out. I would like to. Good. I mean, yeah. now it's on my agenda now. With the oh, yeah. Yeah, because like, I always thought the early stuff they did on those docs were like, like when they were talking about the, like the first two episodes, especially when they're talking about the building and creation of the first of the parks originally were super great. Yeah. And, and also yeah. the Disney Tokyo one was, that was cool too. Yeah. But they just taking it back to the Mandalorian. I mean, like uh, eight episodes, Disney just, just, absolutely crushed it favreau and fellini um did um, an amazing job with with and i'm stealing this from probably a podcast that i heard but it both it felt new and old at the same time it's everything that you wanted from new star wars like you wanted to get all of that, and, and and I will say this, and this is really fun. Uh, I forgot to tell you about this, Bill. But my my older cousin, who like is very mixed on things, and I so said like you not, should. This is not Christian. This is not Christian. All right. Uh, so my cousin, I said you should watch the Mandalorian because you have time. You're 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 home. Uh, check it out. And he told me this, and I, I would love your opinion on this. He's like, oh, it's 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 not good. It 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 feels like i'm watching like hercules or xena from the 90s okay so i was there <laughs> first so no offense to your cousin i'm sure your cousin's no 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 human and being, i but your cousin oh, yeah. is I mean, so he's... fucking wrong <laughs> because like I, listen i was there 
when Hercules and Xena debuted, man, and those were like Z movie great yeah. shit that Sam Raimi had a lot of hands in. But like those weren't good. They just weren't. I mean, they were good. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, Xena was pretty. Xena was pretty good. But like, 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 it was like still cheese. There's still a lot of high camp and cheese in it. I did not think the Mandalorian got into like, you know, cartoon CGI and wink, wink, nudge, nudge, shitty dialogue. You know what I mean? Yeah, but there is like a, um, there is like a pace to the Mandalorian that I, I, I understand where he's coming from. I'm not sure. saying that it's. I'm not saying that it's bad, but it's different. Like it doesn't feel like anything else that is on TV currently. It's got a very old school feel. Like a lot of people are comparing it to Lone Wolf and Cub. Like that's basically that story of you know uh, an older grizzled like mercenary taking care of a young uh, child and just trying to get through life. Like I love that, and the pacing of it reflects that. But. I love the the adventure of the week aspect of it and a documentary about like the process of making this. And like, I, I can't imagine the pressure of making the first live action star Wars series. And I want to see like where, how that was shaped with Favreau's vision and Fellini's involvement and, uh, and the people he got involved too, um, you know, and the people he's going to get involved. You know, we talked about it. I think, uh, couple episodes ago about how we get yeah first episode we talked about yeah robert rodriguez and uh, yeah exactly uh i um i have a little bit of different perspective about favreau because i was a big fan of his first movie he ever did directed uh made and that is just a really they have like this really Hold on one second. Go upstairs. So, yes, that's Sophie. She's going to be making a cameo in a second. Uh, So, yeah, so he did a movie called Made with Vince Vaughn that was very independent, very low budget, but the documentary was so comprehensive. Like, if you talk, like Anthony, you mentioned before, about, like, a blueprint for a filmmaker, like, especially an independent filmmaker, that was perfect. Like, he talked about everything about decisions about the soundtrack. Like, um, how we got Tom Morello, like, to do a cameo in that and, like, do all this stuff. Like, and, and so to see him hands-on to talk about this, I think it's going to be super cool because, like, one, is like watching John Favreau and Made when he was still, like, kind of on the come up. And now he's, like, the iconic director of, like, so much in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the producer. Hi, Soph. And uh, so <laughs> we we will uh, we'll see how that goes. And I'm looking forward to the fact it's eight episodes. Like Disney Plus has had a bit of a dearth of original content, and so this is a really great. One second. Uh, so yes. So can you sit over there, please? And so we have now eight weeks to to be excited for this. And that's something with the Mandalorian. Like we were excited every single week, and we didn't have all this stuff going on, so we didn't have like, like we had like that. Alan, you were talking. About, we were talking about the greatest kind of timeline. It was actually like Friday was the Mandalorian, and Sunday was Watchmen. I was like, wow, what a time to watch TV. And now it's like, and now we have eight weeks of the Mandalorian documentary. So at least we have something. I hope it's an hour long, and I think I hope it's going to be great. Um, Guys, talk amongst yourselves because I have to take a little one downstairs and she has to go to the bathroom. So, hold on. You know, I, 
uh, Al and Bill, I mean, one thing I wrote down in case I forgot, but, you know, for somebody like me, I've kind of constantly been on the go for the past, you know, however many years, and I'm not that good of a television watcher. It's just hard for me to know I'll be in the same spot, same place, same time. Yeah, even with, uh, you know, Netflix, it's like, you know, the good thing about like binge watching is I, I could watch at my own pace and, you know, the half hour to 45 minute episodes of The Mandalorian, you know, that was the first time I watched a weekly series and I mean, like many, many years, like probably going back to, I went to community college at first before I went to Rutgers, so it probably had been like close to 10 years, it's crazy, that yeah. sounds, and yeah. even like, like, yeah, go ahead, Ralph. My bad. No, I was going to say that, that Bill just mentioned it. Like, we had that that brief period where we were watching um, Mandalorian uh, and Watchmen weekly on the same week. And it was the first time since Game of Thrones that we were watching a show weekly that we would actually go to work the next day and, like, had to start a conversation with, like, our coworkers about, like, hey, did you watch the Mandalorian. Hey, did you watch Watchmen? Um, you know, to have a show like that right out the gate was such a, you know, a huge success for Disney plus. And I think the, the problem with the platform since is they didn't have something right after that. To yeah. Get people they were excited. really, they were really basing it on like, Oh, here's that movie that was on demand that we now have. Now they'll have a little bit more like onward, which I was just watching before the podcast. I- so good, very good, very good. Starts like out it. like it starts out a little slow, and then it really hits you. Um, I also saw Trolls World World Tour. That's a movie. You did, yeah. That's a movie, all right. That's a movie. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Disney Plus has not had that big hook outside of the Mandalorian, and this one I think will hook people back in. I think people have dove into the catalogs now. They just announced Artemis Fowl is going is not going to hit the big screen. It's going to go to Disney Plus. I'm I'm waiting for the moment they say New Mutants. It's going to go somewhere. Probably Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. But yeah, Disney Plus has been really fun, but like they have content problems now because those, I think um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier got delayed, right? They didn't finish. Everything's, everything's delayed and it's not a content. It's a new content problem. Exactly. They have so much back catalog. Like yeah. As a, I've mentioned, know. I watched Peter Pan 10 times last week. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched Goofy Movie, an extremely Goofy Movie. I was watching Goof Troop. Um, you know, uh, you you mentioned that Doug was uh, Doug, just added to Doug the platform. Doug was just added. I know. That's great. Anthony's I'm going to start watching that tomorrow. Beats. Anthony, you're a big Beats, yeah. Beats fan. I need more allowance, yo lady. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, I love the Beats, man. One of my first, like favorite like fictional bands of all time. If not, uh, they might even... Uh, you know, I'll go up a notch from the wonders. The beats might be like my number one. Ooh, that's a fictional talk, band. Talk about the hottest of hot takes. That, right I would say there. the real quick. I would say the beats and uh, the wonders, and also um, Steel Dragon from Rockstar. If I had to like rank my uh, top three, Zach Wild on guitar, baby. Zach um, Wild on guitar. Was it Dominic West? Was he the original? Was he the singer that Mark Mark Wahlberg? replace yes yeah, dominic yeah. west the original and then uh the one who was auditioning was michael Starr of steel panther shit our that's boys crazy. <laughs> i did not know that our yeah. house band that's wild that's right lucas told me that. yo i i have to walk back on what i said before my number one favorite band in terms of cinema is wild stallions which is oh. there you go yeah, which i wonder record, right? so 
I was thinking about that movie today, and I'm like, when are we going to see that? Like, how is that going to happen? I've been following yeah. Alex Winter on social media for a long time. Even Ed Solomon, who uh, wrote the script. I mean, he's one of the two co-writers for Bill and Ted. I haven't seen anything that would allude to a cancellation or a delay of the film yet. But it's scheduled to come out on August 21st. Yeah, it's so still we're late only what? Yeah, we're still like what four or five months mm. away. So we'll see. But of course, you know, I think at some point we'll all face the music. Huh? God damn it, Toto! That was so good. And the fun. So, so what's our what's a deep cut? Let's uh, we're, we'll wrap this up in a second. But since we're talking about Disney, Anthony, you are you are our resident Disney guy, or at least for this podcast. Um, what's your deep cut on? Uh, plus that you would recommend to people even if like you haven't watched it on plus oh, wow. but, but it's like a deep cut that you'd be like you know what there you go and you're welcome also yeah, what was your favorite right. dessert at one of the parks because i have mine so i'll rewind a bit if in case you were wondering i worked there between i worked at magic kingdom between 2010 and 2013 on and off but initially i worked there for a full calendar year and then i went back to different summers to go work and I worked in ice cream shops, restaurants, and my roles kind of varied. Sometimes I was serving ice cream. Sometimes I was a busboy and everything in between. And I actually worked uh, Star Wars weekends. So that was one of my highlights as a cast member, being like a huge Star Wars fan growing up, was I was completely immersed in what I would consider to be like a Star Wars comic con at Hollywood Studios. Like two years in a row, I checked it out multiple times. You know, I met characters like Chewbacca. And I kid you not, to bring this back to the beginning of the episode, you kind of alluded to like how I have like spiky hair and look the part of uh, New Jersey Italian. Two years in a row with my friends, I went to go meet Chewbacca, and Chewbacca happened to walk past me, looked at me, spiked his hair, and fist pumped. God bless you. you two were, years you were, in a row, man. You were literally two a national treasure. Two years in a row, two, 2012 and 2013, and. Uh, yeah, I was there when they purchased Lucasfilms on the last. Like, I was working for Disney when that happened. It was just like a mind blowing concept. But to go back to your initial question, I would recommend, in terms of like a fine throwback that you might have forgotten about, my favorite trilogy is really the Mighty Ducks. Uh, and then that's not, I'm getting there. It's related to the Mighty Ducks. It's the Mighty Ducks animated series, which there was, was kind of like. There was, a, there was a Mighty Ducks animated series? Yeah, there was. And. Kind of like when I would say like 96, 97, 98 it aired. And it was kind of like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles type of cartoon. What? If I pull up the IMDB, if you, you might, you just have a better voice than I do. But the cast is actually pretty stacked. Uh, like uh, John Belushi is in the show. If you, if you take a look, uh, Jim Belushi. Uh, anyway, I would recommend that if you're looking just to immerse yourself and just watch a couple episodes and you know not really think too much the animation is top notch the voice cast is my god the the the, let's just i'm gonna read you off the cast right now it's insane it's ian zeering 90210 jim belushi clancy brown who was the kurgan in highlander he was also in uh The the mandalorian the mandalorian tim curry dennis franz from nypd blue Brad Garrett, who was, you know, from Everybody Loves Raymond, also entangled. Um, yeah, I don't think I need to go much further than that. That's fairly insane for a cast. 
that yeah, is yeah they did not half ass the animation like it, it like they definitely put all their you know effort into it i think it ran for like two or three seasons random fact right a little, a little like disney fact there used to be an arcade like a, a three-floor arcade in downtown disney and there was a mighty ducks like game where you would kind of like just play hockey I, i'm just trying to like simplify it, it was like 3d virtual oh. reality hockey and the mask was the mask from the animated series and that was kind of like the only remnant of that series up until it kind of made its comeback on disney plus what about you al deep cut any deep cut disney plus rec- references yeah of all the goofy stuff I, I was just looking through and making sure that they had it which they don't which is strange so i'm not gonna even mention it because but why am I going to see people on a wild goose ca- wild goose chase for no reason? I will give you two movies that I grew up on and I watched a gazillion times when I was younger. I'm pretty sure if I didn't have them on VHS, then I just watched them every single time they were on like cable or whatever. Uh, first one, 1993 classic Rookie of the Year. Oh, yeah. Henry Rogartner, baby. That's right. Phenomenal he, movie. He used, Thomas Ian Nicholson used to follow us on Twitter, on Pop Break on Twitter. He was in a Christian band, too. Of course. Of course he was. Uh, and then following that, 1994, another classic of my childhood, Blank Check. Wow. Oh, phenomenal. Great movie. Phenomenal. I have to introduce a lot of these to my son because uh, just 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 clicking Rookie of the Year, they recommended to me The Rookie, which I actually really enjoyed when I was younger, uh, Dennis Quaid. Cool oh, not running. the Charlie Sheen Clint Eastwood movie? No, uh, Cool Runnings, also a great movie. Saw it in the theater. Absolutely. Blank Check, First Kid with Sinbad, Saw Heavyweights. Oh, Heavyweights. Was Ben uh, Stiller in that? Dude, now you're talking, man. And Kazam. Was Shaq? Yeah, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was, yeah it was Shaquille O'Neal. Hell yeah, I did not know Disney owned that. Well, I love that movie. It is horrible. Fox. Yeah. I've seen that a million times. I would Not be... a good movie? It's great. <laughs> not a good movie, but it's Friggin' amazing. That's I would awesome. go with, I think I, I mentioned on the first podcast, and I'll bring it back. For, well, let me go with an animated one first. Is it like kind of a deep cut Disney animated film from the 80s? Was, and I haven't watched it since the theater. And I remember I loved it, though, as a kid. It was a great mouse detective, which was Good based movie. on short films. Absolutely. And yeah, so it's um, definitely one of my, it's on my queue for my daughter to watch. Um, Unfortunately, I've watched a lot of Descendants, which is just, oof. and uh, but uh, for live action, I mentioned this on the first pod. Uh, I'll mention it again because I'm going to keep mentioning it, is Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea with Kirk Douglas. Uh, like Kirk Douglas passed away earlier this year. Um, it, I love it. There was a Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea ride for a long time. I don't know what replaced it, uh, but it was in. I think it was in uh, Magic Kingdom. It's basically like uh, Kirk Douglas is the sailor on this old school vessel. I think it's uh, destroyed by uh, the Nautilus, uh, uh, captained by Captain Nemo. It's a submarine, and he's on the submarine. And it's a very, very cool movie that I am still stunned that they have not done a huge remake of, especially nowadays. Um, Dude. It would make so much money. Um because they probably just put the rock in it, and uh, it's it's so much fun. It's like a night if you like an old school throwback type of adventure film. Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea can't go wrong with it. That also, we, been... we're going to recommend Imagineering again. 
Yes. I was going to say that the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea remake has been in development hell for like I remember, at least a decade. Like they've, they've been talking about it every year. It's like, oh, so-and-so is going to do this. I thought they like, actually fully scrapped it a few years ago. Probably, but I remember. I remember they, it being. I think they tried remaking it on NBC or somewhere ABC, and it was crap. Never um, happened. But yeah, it. So definitely check out the Kirk Douglas version. Highly recommend it. And unfortunately, that that's the conclusion of our episode. I think a lot more coherent than last week, <laughs> which I listened to. And by the end, I was like, "Wow, we just poof. We yeah. were in a place and a time." So. That's right. Anthony, as our esteemed guest, where can people find you on the internet? All right. So on Twitter, you could follow me at Anthony M. Toto, T-O-T-O on Twitter. And on Instagram, you could find me under Anthony Writes Music. Excellent. Anthony also runs our Instagram page. Um, and we haven't had much to fill it with recently. so uh, But he does. So he does a good job with it. And... Uh, Al, where can people buy your wares and uh, find you on the internet? Uh, you can you can uh, get some of my photos turned into miscellaneous items like a clock or a coaster at uh, alfredmanorino.com. I have a couple uh, couple of images you can select via Redbubble. Uh, you can follow me at Al Manorino on Twitter and Instagram for verified uh, just- on Twitter. Just just constant updates about my my dog and child and what I'm watching. That's basically it. If you want to just stay hear my thoughts on pro wrestling, well, I'm at Bodkin Writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. Of course, you can find this podcast on Spotify. You can find it on a just recently added to Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're also on – I'll refresh my memory where else we are. Oh, we're on well, we're on Apple Podcasts. We are on um, Spotify, Anchor, and a ton of other. If you go to just anchor.com slash the socially distance, you can find out all the platforms we're on. But uh, yeah. Is it anchor please dot, anchor.fm? Anchor anchor.fm slash the socially distance. Thank you, Bill. Uh, yeah, please rate re- rate, review, subscribe to our podcast. Uh, it just helps people find us. So that'd be great. Awesome. And of course, every single day, check out thepopbreak.com. We are covering music, television, movies, pro wrestling, and comic books every single day. Of course, Anthony just posted a piece about William Duvall. We've got tons of great stuff on there. Got a new review of the Strokes record we talked about last week from our previous guest, Kat Manos. Got a ton of great stuff, especially in the movie department. We're just uh, we're starting to get back into the swing of things. The stuff was coming to streaming. And a lot of uh, lot of TV. Um, of course, head over to SoundCloud. Check out the Breakcast. We have a lot of podcasts over there. We have our monthly TV break podcast. We have our um, and the Winter Still Is podcast, which is our retro Oscar podcast. But also uh, check us out on Twitter at popbreak.com, all spelled out forward slash popbreak.com, all spelled out on Facebook and at the Popbreak on Instagram. So for Manorino and our esteemed guest Anthony Toto. My name is Bill Bodkin. Thank you for checking out the latest episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast.